You're a swimmer, a cyclist, a runner. You're a triathlete. You're a conqueror of the multi-sport mentality. You seek greatness in your everyday life. But as an age grouper, your forte is the physical fitness that you strive for. Endurance is your middle name. You're listening to the Age Grouper for Life podcast, the ultimate source for living the triathlon lifestyle. Colin and Elliot will discuss the most optimal training techniques to get you where you want to be mentally and physically so you're ready to bring it. You can do it. Ready to bring it? Welcoming your host, Peak Triathlon and USAT certified coaches, Colin Cook and Elliot Kawaoka. Hello, everybody. This is Colin with. Hey, guys. It's Elliot. And this is Age Grouper for Life number 43, I think. I, oh, yeah, 43. Yeah. So I got that one right. Um, but I am super excited to have Brian Kane on with us here. So good or evening here. Brian, how you doing? Colin, I'm fired up, man. I'm, I'm sitting here ready to rock and roll with you and Elliot and talk about being an age grouper for life because that's <laughs> hands down the best I'm ever going to do. <laughs> well, that's all the best all of us are going to do here because that's uh, we're committed to that. But, uh, but uh, outside of we're going to talk about Brian and his triathlon experience and everything, but he is also a renowned mental performance coach. And um, yeah, Brian, you want to give us a quick high level on your business? Sure. You know, so I, I am a mental performance coach and work with, you know, you know, whether it's, whether it's triathletes, athletes in all sports, coaches, uh, corporations. I, I, I spent eight years in education as a high school athletic director and assistant principal. So I do a lot of keynote speaking at schools around mental performance, around mindset, growth, uh, around routines and habits. And a lot of the mental skills that I think you know, apply to the field of triathlon. So, you know, my experience in mental performance is that there's 10 skills that create the skill set of mental performance mastery, right? So if you think about it from an athletic context, we do drills to develop skills and a collection of skills is a skill set. Well, here's the 10 skills of mental performance mastery that make up that mental toughness or mental performance mastery skill set, right? It's an elite mindset how you see things, your perspective, your attitude. It's your levels of motivation and commitment. It's your focus and awareness. It's your ability to have self-control and discipline and keep the process over the outcome. Those are the first five. Number six is your ability to use meditation and mental imagery. And I'm sure in the triathlon community, we've all visualized a damn swim brawl before we get in there, especially before our first one. It's time management and organization, routines and habits of excellence. And then, you know, leadership in the right culture, a leadership in the sense of if you're a coach and you're running, you're running and training other athletes and the right culture for the athlete in that who you associate with in the people who you train with, that becomes the culture and you become the average of the people who you associate with most, right? So obviously, Colin, you're associating with some really high level triathletes as you just won an age group race, man. Congratulations, you know? Um, you. But I think that those, those are the 10 skills that I work to develop with the clients and athletes I work with. And you know, really excited to join you all because I have a passion for a triathlon that dates all the way back to March, 2010. I remember the exact day, March, 2010. I'm a high school athletic director in the state of Vermont. We're at a leadership conference and there's a speaker by the name of Dr. Rob Gilbert. He's on stage and he gives the greatest 90 minute 
presentation I've ever experienced in my life. I laughed, I cried, I was dancing, I was literally jumping on tables, and I got done, and my hand was cramping because I took so many notes. Incredible. He gets done, and he says, raise a hand if you were inspired today. <laughs> hand goes up. Raise a hand if you were motivated today. <laughs> hand goes up, and he goes, well, I got news for you. You won't do anything with what you learned today. Thank you. And I'm like, what? And he goes walking off the stage, right? And like two people kind of start clapping because they're all like, what just happened? He walks back to the podium and he goes, look, you won't do anything with what you learned today unless you put it into something you do every day. And I was like, oh. He goes, the key to success is to do a little, a lot, not a lot, a little. And he goes, and I want to help you. He says, I created a thing called Success Hotline. And every day for three minutes, you call this number and you listen to him talk about mindset for three minutes. I started calling in March 2006. He's now, today was 10,834 messages later. He started doing it January 2nd, 1992. And if you call Success Hotline every day, that's one of my key success habits. And I would love for the Age Group podcast followers to do that. And here it is, 973-743-4690. I'll say it again, 973-743-4690. And I've called almost every day since March of 06, but Dr. Gilbert now has a, a, a podcast called The Success Hotline Podcast. And all it is, is a recording of his three-minute messages. So I think a great part of our morning routine is to call and listen to that hotline. Now, it gets even better, okay? I'm sitting in that seminar, and he shows a video. And I can hardly talk about it today without crying. So I probably will. He shows a video. A Dick and Ricky Hoyt, the father and son triathlon team. Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting there, 250 high school student athletes, coaches, athletic directors, and I lose it. And I'm like, that's life. That's what it's about, man. That's the human commitment. That's team. That's mindset. That's motivation. I want to do that. And the problem is I followed up the statement, I want to do that with something, the one word we can't ever say, which is someday. I want to do that someday. Well, last time I checked, Elliot, someday is not on the calendar, man. Someday is not a day of the week or the day of the year. And what happened was it was 10 years later, 2016, when I signed up for my first Ironman. Having gone from that day in 2006, I went through a period in that 10 years where I became a, a high school athletic director, you know, deep into the funnel, 240 pounds. I'm driving to the airport. My button on my pants and my 44-inch waist goes boop hits the windshield, lands on the dashboard, and basically grows a middle finger and flips me off. And I'm like, what is happening here? How is this happening? And my mentor, a guy named Dr. Declan Connolly, who was my, who was my advisor at the University of Vermont, exercise physiologist, world-renowned, worked with the New York Rangers, the only guy I ever knew personally to do an Ironman. He did Ironman Lake Placid. Irish guy, right? And I remember one day he comes up to the school where I'm working, and he's like, Mr. Kane, I'm going to bring my bike. I'm training for this Ironman. We're going to go for a ride around the lake that you, that you guys have up there by the school. And I'm like, oh, shit. He's going to come up here. I, haven't, I, don't even, I don't even know where my bike is. And I got to ride a bike with Dr. Connolly? Man, but he's Dr. Connolly. I'm doing what he wants to do. So he comes up, Colin. We're three miles into a bike ride, and I got to pull over. 240 pounds, 44-inch waist, not exercising. Don't know the last time I broke a sweat. Probably 28 years old. He turns around, comes back. Says, Mr. Kane, you want to be this mental performance coach? You want to work with top athletes? Look at you. They're going to laugh you out of the room. He says, you're like, you're like the doctor who smokes right now. 
you're like the financial planner who's poor living paycheck to paycheck. He goes, people aren't going to buy into what you're saying because they're going to buy into you first and you're fought. And he said, leaders aren't fought. People aren't going to follow you. You got to at least look the part if you want to be elite mental performance. And that day, I said, he's right. I needed to hear that. Thank you. Because sometimes you, you just can't beat around the bush, man. I mean, you need to have people in your life who love you and care about you enough and have enough experience to tell you the damn truth. And so what did I start doing? I said, well, doc, I need your help, man. I just, I, my, my dinner is a six pack of beer and pizza. Like I'm just grinding and I'm not, I'm not cooking and I'm lazy. And what the fuck do I do? Sorry. And he's like, look, man, stop eating after 7 PM and create a menu of 2000 calories and spread it out over the course of your day. So I started eating on the odds. Same thing every day, every day, 7 AM, 9 AM, 11 AM, one, three, five, seven, 2000 calories a day. That's what I was eating. And the weight started to come off. And here we are, what, 10 years later, and I'm proud to say that like, I got on the scale today, dude. One, I get on every morning because I'm obsessed just with knowing because I know I can, the rails, I can slip off the rails real quick. 179, 9% body fat, down 60 pounds, 30 inch waist. And none of that would be possible if it wasn't one for Dr. Connolly and two for Rob Gilbert showing that video with Dick and Ricky Hoyt. That 10 years later, I said, now is the time. I'm signing up for Ironman Arizona in November of 2016. I had just gotten back from my honeymoon with my wife where we probably partied and drank a little bit too much and I was feeling a little bit like shit. And I said, I need a goal, man. And it was like end of June 2016. Okay. And at this point, I go home, like sign up for this Ironman. Done. I go for a run. I can't run three miles. I don't have a coach. I don't know how to swim. I'm going to do the doggy paddle. Now I know that would have never worked. And I don't own a bike at this time. We're living in Texas. And when I went to sign up for Ironman Arizona, it was sold out. So I'm like, fuck, okay, there's my out. I don't need to do this. But then I scrolled down and I saw the smile train. Nice. And the smile train is a fundraising group where you, where $250 provides a surgery to fix a cleft lip or a cleft palate for someone who's in need. $250, you fundraise $3,000, you get into the race, you go. And ironically, like two weeks before that, I was with a friend of mine who had just adopted two children who had cleft palates. It was like everything aligned. I said, fuck it, I'm in. I want to do that, man. I want to help kids. So we sign up and then I got terrified and I went to go find a friend of mine who would do it with me. And I said, dude, we got to do this. We got to help kids, man. Come on. And literally, I'm like, I can't do this alone, man. I need somebody. So a friend of mine signed up. So there's two of us now. We fundraise, not 7,000. We fundraise like $15,000. He's a high school athletic director in Texas. It's easy. They have a football game. He puts a table out there. Boom. It's a done deal. Okay. People want to support good causes of helping kids. So we start training, man. I'm 110 days. I can't run three miles. Because it's in, it's, you know, in it's Texas, it's hundred degrees. Now there was some other adversity there, but I hire a coach named Tom Parker. The guy changed my life. He takes me to a bike shop, gets me fit for the bike. I get my tri bike. He teaches me how to swim. I drank half of the pool at the Lifetime Fitness in Grapevine, Texas, you know, and I, I, I eliminated alcohol for four months. It was the best I had, best I'd ever felt in my life. I had a, a personal assistant who was living with me who literally started to train and, and make all my meals for macronutrition. I was eating the same number of fat, carbon, protein every day, getting in the best shape of my life. I, I was all in, documented the whole thing. Like it was a, it was a journey, man. And um, I remember we go to Arizona in November 2016. I look at it right there, November 20th. And that morning, I'm getting ready to jump into Tempe Town Lake with 3,000 other competitors, just hoping to finish. And I'm sitting there going, I don't know if I can finish this thing. 
And that's where I came across what I call the myth of belief. And you'll hear motivational speakers and you hear people say, oh, you got to believe. And if you believe you can achieve, and I would say, you know what? You got to train and you can achieve. I said, you ain't going to rise to the occasion, man. You're going to sink to your training. Did I believe I was going to finish that race? I didn't. I was scared to death. I'm like, there's no way I finished this damn thing. But I said, you know what though? I'm willing to die trying. And I know that's an extreme statement, but I think there comes times in your life where you say, I'm all in and I'm willing to push the envelope and I don't care what it takes. So I have to fucking crawl. I'm going to crawl. I've seen people do it on the Ironman videos that I watched and I'm willing to go all in. I did that twice. My first Ironman and when I ran my first 100 mile race. And I remember crossing the finish line of that Ironman, seeing my wife, both in tears, give her a hug. And she's like, oh, how was it? I'm like, you know, it was easier than I thought it would be. Why? Because I was trained. I had done the work. And people say, oh, you, you know, fear is not a good emotion. Fear is a damn good emotion because it drives you to do what you need to do. You know, and, and then she was like, oh, I was so inspiring. I want to do one. And I'm like in my mind going, okay, my wife trained with me twice during this thing. Like she wasn't into it, you know? And I'm like, this is a one and done. Cause yeah, you know, you guys know how it is, right? If your spouse isn't supportive of it and you're not seeing her, like I'm traveling 250, 280 days a year at the road on the time. And I'm training for an Ironman. I'm home. I come in and I'm going to bed and I'm swim, bike, run, go to bed, get as much work in as I can. See ya. See ya, babe. What's your name again? Oh yeah. See ya. You know, like we I didn't even see each other ever. Right. So we're sitting there embracing at the finish line. And uh, she's like, I want to do this. And I go, good. Walked her right over to the smile train tent, signed her up right there after the Ironman, put down the deposit check, and she's in. Same race one year later. So I'm like, I just bought myself a year of training with my wife. Great connection. And then here we are. That was 2016, November 20th. And here we are now, November 18, 2020, almost to the day, four years later. And we've done together probably... 25 70.3s from Kona to Barcelona to Tapau to Vancouver, um, Maine. I mean, just some epic places that we might have never gone, you know. And our routine, the two of us were into it. We go and we do the race and we do the 70.3s. And whoever has a disc wheel wins, man. We got one disc wheel. Whoever gets it that day wins. But <laughs> in Arizona, this year I rode the disc wheel and I put down a personal best, you know, 529. And she was like 531. And if I don't have the disc wheel, she beats me by like 10 minutes. So, you know, we're competitive, um, but it's fun, right? I mean, it's, it's a fun competitive. But I think the thing, and I'm just, I'm just talking here, man. I got to slow down. You guys got me so excited. Oh, you're doing awesome, you get, man. Keep to going. get to talk Keep about going. Iron Man is something that's so special for me because it's such a, it's got such a cool place in my heart. And the reason why is because you see people like Chris Nickick, right? Who's the first person ever with Down syndrome to finish an Iron Man. You guys have been out there. You see people over 300 pounds. You see people with one leg. You see people with one arm. You see people where you're going, how the hell do they do this? And what it truly does is it proves to you that anything is possible. And I think until you go through that, right? Until you go through, like, I remember my first marathon I did back in 2004. And I'm like, fuck, I can do anything. And that lasts for a while. And then you do an Ironman and you're like, Iowa could really do anything, right? And then you do a 100-mile race, and it's like, man, there, look, there are no limits to what we are capable of doing with the right time and enough training. There's no limits to what you're capable of doing. But you got to do it smart, and you got to do it the right way. And I think the thing, you know, Colin and Elliot, that I'm most excited about with Ironman is, let me show you guys this, <laughs> is with all 
uh, all of the, uh, if you see up there in my bookshelf, right, all these two shelves, right, those are all Iron Man medals, right? Over there on the side, those are, that's an Iron Man little plaque, right? You guys probably know what I'm talking about. Oh, but the yeah. cool part about all those medals is I go back there and every one of those races I did with somebody, whether it was my wife or someone new. And the most disappointing part about them canceling Ironman Arizona this year, right? I'm 15 weeks in training camp. They bang it on Thursday. The race is this coming Sunday. Is Ellie Cooper, who is a softball player at Florida State, who I worked with when she was in college, now a college softball coach. This was her first Ironman. And to me, there's nothing better than getting on that starting line with someone who you care about and seeing them go through the suck and then seeing who they become at the end. And, you know, it's, that's been the journey for me, whether it was doing it with a buddy of mine who was a Navy SEAL, a friend of mine who overcame cancer, a friend of mine who was an Olympic athlete, who, who was an ice hockey player who, you know, never ran. I mean, power sport, you know, explosion. And seeing all of them go through it and who they become in the journey to the finish line is so special. And, you know, I think that's the thing that, that is most exciting to me about Ironman is the connection, the relationship, the growth that comes from it and what you experience when you're out there because no one can take that away from you. Once they say, Colin Cook, you are an Ironman, they can never take that away from you. Well said. Yeah, very, very true. That is so cool. And I mean, I just want to let everybody know or give an idea, toot your own horn a little bit. Like when you say you work with athletes, like, you know, we're talking all four major sports, right? MMA, you know, the big dogs, the uh, top of the top here, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean, five UFC world champions, including a guy named George St. Pierre, right? Who lives up there near Meltzer Blount, maybe the greatest ever. I cornered him for a couple of his fights, worked with him the last decade of his career since he lost to Matt Sarah, all the way to beating Michael Bisbing. It was pretty cool. I was with him uh, when he fought Bisbing. He actually introduced me to Bisbing, who I'd worked with earlier in, earlier in, in, in not in that fight, right? But earlier in Bisbing's career. And, um, you know, being there for that fight, main event, Madison Square Garden, you walk out of there about 11 yeah, it was no actually later than that. It's probably midnight. Get back to the hotel. This is what's wild. I'm walking back to the hotel after that UFC fight where St. Pierre just wins his second division title, beating another former client of mine, Michael Bisping. And I'm walking in the hotel. And who's in the damn hotel lobby? Want to talk about full circle? Ricky Hoyt. Oh, in wow. The hotel lobby. Yeah. My wife and I get a picture with Ricky Hoyt. I go up. I can't sleep. I wake up four hours later. Just actually get out of bed four hours later. I go from my hotel to the start of the New York city marathon. And it took me longer to get to the start than it did to actually do the race. But, um, that was a special weekend, you know, none of wow. which gets accomplished without, without the endurance and the Ironman. But, you know, in terms of, of, of athletes, like five UFC world champions, I mean, Olympic medalists, uh, Kyler Murray, who's the quarterback Heisman trophy winner. I worked with started with him when he was at Oklahoma, two major league baseball, Sion award winners, David Price and Jake Arrieta. If you look at the Dodgers, who just won the world series, Justin Turner, who hit in the three hole, Max Muncie in the four hole. I mean, I, I've been really, really been a, really, really fortunate, you know, to work with a lot of high level athletes in all different sports and you know i think uh it's it, the, the triathlon is getting picked up in ncaa you know i mean it's getting picked up they do the national championships right here in tempe and i think there's a lot of common characteristics among those athletes and the ones i've worked with who i feel like got the most out of their potential but you'll never hear of them because they're not best in the world right i mean that's the cool part about iron man is as elite as Lionel Sanders and Sebastian Keenley and these people who we see, you know, um, Heather Jackson and these athletes who we see and we're just in awe. Well, 
as much as they're pushing the envelope and getting the most out of their human potential and abilities, there's a lot of other people out there who are getting the most out of their human potential and abilities too. And they're on that journey. You know, you just, you just, you don't ever see them. And I think the two times in an Ironman, like if you go to the finish line and you see those first people finish, you're just in awe of the physicality. You're in awe of the grace. And just, I mean, you watch Lionel Sanders floats, man. I mean, I like to say two, two races I was in, the world champion was there too. I was competing with him. Lionel Sanders set the world record twice, right? At Ironman Arizona and then Ironman Texas. And I was in both of those races. So I laugh, about, I'll say that. And people who don't know the sport that everyone does the same race, I'm like, man, you must be really good. And I'm like, yeah, just, yeah, pretty good. Lionel, really, <laughs> Lionel, you know? But, um, but the other, my favorite time is go, for, go to see the last people finish. And I'll go back, you know, like Ironman Arizona. I didn't run in it last year, but a friend of mine did. And I went and watched her finish, went back, you know, shower, eat, and go back to the final. And you see like on the, on the scooter, the camera following people in and it's up on the screen. I mean, you want to see human will at work, go watch the last hour of an iron man. That's human will at work. I just think there's so many parallels, man. There's so many things you can take from being into, into triathlon. And, you know, we can get into for our listeners, you know, and we can get into a lot of the mental skills that, that I, that I would learn through sports psychology that I share with these athletes in different sports that I use myself in triathlon, but also I do work with some age group elite athletes and some professional triathletes and, you know, things that I share with them that they've said, Hey, this has made a difference for me in triathlon. And we can t break down some of those things too. I'm not sure where you guys want to take this, but I'm just happy to be here, man. Yeah, sure. Well, um, I mean, I got a gazillion questions here, you know, and, and for the record, I'm taking Brian's certification course right now and uh, already learned uh, quite a bit from it. And uh, it's just awesome. And I just absolutely love this stuff. So, uh, so, so honored to have you here again. Um, but, you know, when you think about like triathletes versus like um, other sports and other people, like what, what do you see as a, a strength maybe? And um, maybe even if there's weakness or like difference from those people versus some of the other people that you're working with. Biggest thing I think is the humility, right? The humility that comes with triathlon and one in this, what you're racing, you know, you're racing in the damn leotard, <laughs> right? And I mean, their thing is too, is you're also, you're also like, <laughs> You also know it's going to suck. I mean, you know you're going to have dark times while you're out there. You know, you know that it's going to be a challenge. And in your training, you go through that. And you learn about yourself, you know, when it's, when it's, it's the dark moments, right? And I think for a lot of athletes, like especially in the professional level, like they've never failed. It's always been easy for them. And often when I get ex introduced to a lot of professional athletes is it, not after George St. Pierre wins the title. He doesn't go going, Hey, I need a mental yeah, performance right. coach to hold on to my title. No, he goes and finds the mental performance coach. Jeffrey loses is an 11 to one favorite and loses his title in the biggest upset in mixed martial arts history and goes, something's off. I need some help. Right. right. So, so. I, I think, I think in triathlon, like, you know, it's going to be hard. So you go looking for maybe some mental strategies and you have the humility to do that where I think sometimes in other sports, it's maybe more macho or, uh, or, you know, I've never failed. So why would I try anything different? But I think there's also some, some really good principles. Like one of my favorites is talk to yourself. Don't listen. Like listening to yourself, I'll share an example. I did Super Frog uh, with a friend of mine who's a Navy SEAL, Sean Haggerty. If you're ever in San Diego, check out Protector Brewery, San Diego's first and only organic brewery, ran by former Navy SEAL and Navy SEAL uh, trainer, um, uh, uh, Sean Haggerty. So we did, we did the, super, the Super Frog. And 
it's amazing. Right. So my, my bike, you guys know how much bikes can be like my bike's more expensive than the first car I had, like when I was in high school. So I show up in San Diego, I got my bike. I fly down there from Arizona. Sean picks me up. We go to the race. I'm putting the bike together. I'm like, where's your bike? Dude, he's, Oh, I'm going to pick it up. My father-in-law's place. I'm like, Oh, cool. Let's go. He goes and picks it up and the bike like weighs more than my first car. Like the thing was this iron bike. The thing was rusted into one gear. I'm like, bro, are you sure you're going to ride this? He goes, ah, flat course. We're fine. Good mental training. I'm like, all right, cool. So we do the race. And San Diego super frog, like you run out on the beach, you fight the waves, turn right, swim back to the shore, run back out, do it again. I mean, you're getting crushed by the waves, right? And uh, I do the first loop and I'm getting out and I'm like, dude, I'm seasick. I'm going to throw up. Sean comes out afterwards, runs by and goes, Gainer, great mental training. Let's go. Boosh, takes off down the beach, jumps back and does a swim. We get on the bike and um, I'm like, I'm going to wait for him in the transition. So I, I finished the bike very flat. I get in there. 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes. And I'm by no means a good biker. 50 minutes, I'm like, shit, am I waiting in here? And Sean tapped out. I know he wouldn't tap out. Like, did he get hit by a car? He's in the hospital. Like, what's happening? And then here he comes in. Comes in on his, on his bike. We got matching Wadi Ink kits. I was all fired up, right? We go out and start the run. Kid you not, two miles into the run. He's on the beach. And, his, you know, you're running on the beach, right? So it's the slowest half Ironman on the planet. He's, he gets on the, he's on the beach. And he's sitting there and his quads cramp up and he starts hitting himself in the quad. And he's like, oh, Kaner, hang on. Oh, double quad cramp. Hang on. All right. Great mental training. And he starts running again. It happens like four times, right? And later that night, we go back to his house. We're having dinner. He's changing his baby's diaper. And he's like, great mental training. And I was like, here's a guy who was a Navy SEAL, maybe the most elite trained warriors on the planet. And the strategy that he's using to get through the difficult time is to reframe the pain as great mental training. And I, so, and I asked him, I said, Sean, do you realize you're doing this all the time? He goes, yeah, it's what I go to. He's like, you got to have something to go to when it gets hard. And for me, that's something to go to. And I did my first Ironman. It was a picture of some of the, some of the kids through the smile train. I put on my handlebars. Um, something to go to for me. I will train riding my bike. You guys might think this is crazy, but I love it. I ride my bike, listen to the same song on repeat for four or five hours at a time and just ingrain it in my mind that at any time I can pull up the beat to that song, move my feet to that beat, pull up what that sounds like and just go to that place. No matter how hard I'm pushing it on the bike or the run, I can pull that song up. I can hear it right now and the beat to my feet is what I'm, what I try to do to that song. It's a strategy. I baked the strategy in with the song. Um, but talking to yourself, don't listen, right? And he would say, he'd say, you know, one of the things I've learned is don't give pain a voice. Don't give fatigue a voice. Don't give frustration a voice. Don't give negativity a voice. Talk to yourself, don't listen. He goes, don't listen to how you feel. Like within like, okay, I'm gonna pull my, I'm gonna snap my Achilles tendon or I'm running through something like, be smart. Right. But if it's fatigue, if it's a cramp, if you know you're not gonna get injured, right? Like talk to yourself, don't listen. But then when you talk to yourself, what do you say? And one of my favorite strategies of what you say to yourself is I call it the next 200 feet. So if I'm driving a car from Scottsdale, Arizona to New Hampshire, and I leave at midnight tonight and it's completely dark outside, can I drive from Scottsdale to New Hampshire? Of course I can. I got a GPS. I got a direction. 
But the biggest thing I got is headlights because I can't drive in the dark if I don't have headlights. But headlights don't let me see the New Hampshire. Headlights don't let me see the finish. Headlights just let me see the next 200 feet of the road. So I drive that 200 feet, the next 200 feet, the next 200 feet, the next 200 feet, and eventually I get to where I want to be. I make a couple of long turns. Siri kicks in, boom, reroute, and I get back on my path of where I need to be, right? So for me, the biggest strategy that I think I use mental game-wise is talking to myself and then like, I'll share some of the things I say, which can be kind of comical, but talking to myself and also breaking the course down into the next 200 feet, like get to that tree, get to that fire hydrant, aid station to aid station here, people talk about during the run, but sometimes that's too hard. Get to that crack, get to that mailbox, you know? Um, so that's one. The other strategy is when I'm on the course, I will, I, and it's non-pandemic, I will high five, I will thank every volunteer possible. The hardest race I ever did was Barcelona because I was one of two people from the US there and no one spoke English and like everyone looked at you crazy when you were talking to them. So like I didn't talk to anybody. So all that energy was kept inside. And when I'm doing a race, like I did full Ironman Arizona with, with minimal training and was like 10 minutes slower than I did in my first one where I trained like a savage. And I think part of it was I was more intentional with the strategies where everybody, you know, I'm running by, someone's wearing a smile train kit. I'm running by going, smile train keeps rolling. Woo, woo. People think you're crazy, but I'm just energy out. Don't give pain a voice. Don't give fatigue a voice. Volunteers, thank you. Police officers, thank you for what you do. Thank you for your service. And every time you're saying that, works for me because I'm not trying again I'm not I'm not trying to set the world record Colin and win an age group like you are like I'm just trying to finish right and have a good time it's a little different strategy to use when you're not trying to talk because you're trying to go really fast right so it's difference between like the age grouper who just wants a good experience and wants to have fun and learn about themselves and the guy who's trying to win different strategies right um so you're probably not talking to as many people when you're trying to win but you might talk to yourself in a certain way like one of the things I would say to myself, I picked this up from a Navy SEAL named Mark Devine in his book, um, The Way of the Seal. Yes, yes. He when, he's going, when he's yeah. going through hell week, right? Six straight days, 120 straight hours of continuous training, no sleep, hardly any food. And he says, you got to have your mantra that you say to yourself. And he says, looking good, feeling good. I should be in Hollywood. And he would start laughing in the middle of a damn, you know, Hell week. I remember running in Ironman Arizona, going, looking good, feeling good. I should be in Hollywood. They're going to put a monument of me on the top of Mount Ironman, like Mount Rushmore. And I'm saying the most wild, crazy stuff. And I start laughing. Next thing you know, I don't hurt as much. I got better energy. I get back into my groove, talking to people when I go. You know, I mean, and other things that I probably curse as I can't say and stuff on here. But, you know, there's a lot of stuff I'll say to myself. And I will talk out loud to myself, hearing my own voice, hearing my own voice. If I can hear it, I'm in the present. If I can, if I can see it, Intentionally, I'm in the present. And one of the three, what I would call the three P's of elite racing is present, stick to your process, and stay positive. Present, meaning one step at a time. Don't think about the finish. Think about where you're at, next target. What am I doing? Process, like you've got a process with your nutrition, a process with your training, a process with your hydration. Practice it, trust it, execute it. And then staying positive is like, positive is tell yourself what you want, not what you're trying to avoid. Like, what do I want to do? you know, positive, give energy to other people. I call it the energy cycle. The more energy I give to others, the more energy I get for myself. And the hard part with doing the 100 mile run I did um, at the Lighthouse 100 in Traverse City, Michigan was, shit, there's only 50 people that started. And within, the, <laughs> I had to go to the bathroom within the first mile. So within the first mile, I wasn't seeing anyone the rest of the way, you know? And I got to about mile 40. You're allowed to look this name up. Michael Ortiz, New York City. We're at the we're at the check-in for the race, and Michael Ortiz gets out of an Uber in like a suit 
and comes into the race. And I'm like, who is this? The Conor McGregor of Ultra Marine? Who is this guy? And I see him the next day and I, and I, I, I catch up to him at mile 40. I'm like, hey, man, you're the dude who got out in the suit. Like, what's up? He goes, oh, I had just flown in from New York. He goes, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, you know, I just got in late and I had to get here to hear the briefing. And I'm like, oh, that's awesome. How are things going? Blah, blah, blah. Next thing you know, I start talking to him. The guy, his goal was to do a 100 mile race every weekend for an entire year. He was on race like 38 at the time. Wow. And I'm like, bro, I'm staying with you because you've done this and you know what it's like and I'm picking your brain. And if I look like I'm going to die, call 911 because I have no, I don't know what that looks like, but you probably have been there before. So I ran with this cat from like mile 40 to mile 80, just talking, getting outside of myself. And then we were, we picked up another gal on the run and she was hurting pretty bad. So he kind of stopped and stayed with her. And I'm like, dude, if I stop, I'm not going, I got to get going. So I took off. This is like three o'clock in the morning. So I take off listening to David Goggins can't hurt me. Right. That always helps you push through a little bit. I'm something I want to bring up here, but okay. Yeah. Go ahead. yeah so I'm listening, I'm listening to, to, to Goggins book, you know, and it's a couple of audios I had made Rocky four soundtrack on repeat, man, you know, the whole time. And, uh, I just remember mile 80 to a hundred. Oh, I, I wanted to quit. I was in tears. I felt like I was going to ax throw it into my shin and it was literally 200 feet. No, 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 two feet. Just keep moving get to the next crack in the sidewalk, literally sidewalk blocks. And it was something I'm glad I went through. Uh, I don't know if I'd ever do another hundred mile race. I probably could get talked into it, but I don't, I don't have any aspirations to do it, but I'm the guy who never says never, you know, um, <laughs> just like, I don't really want to do another full Ironman, but uh, I, I probably will at some point do multiple, but, um, but anyway, so, I mean, those are some of the strategies, right? Talk to yourself, have something to go to, music, uh, break the course down. I think the visualization and anticipation, like in training, practice when shit goes bad, practice changing your tire, practice eating different things in case you run out and you got to eat someone else's, learning how your body's going to respond. You know, ideally you eat the same thing, but sometimes you just can't. So, you know, figuring out some of those things I think is key, but I'm, I'm going to come back to you here, Colin. I'm, I apologize for rambling. No, 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 that's good. Um, I have a, I have a question. Yeah, hit it, Elliot. So what about like you talked about talking to elite athletes, like or even Colin, for example. I mean, he just won Ironman Florida. Right. And you see these people constantly winning, 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 winning. I mean, and then they have a really shitty race all of a sudden, and they're completely down. I mean, what kind of advice do you give to those athletes that have a hard time rebounding? Because, I mean, I feel like in this sport especially, it is – you're going to fail at some point. I mean, I've had some great races. I've had some really shitty ones and there's been such highs, such lows, but I've always managed to kind of dig myself out of it. But what kind of advice would you give an athlete like Colin, who maybe does an Ironman next time and something bad happens and he is like pretty... 2016 when I yeah. DNF the race, the only two races I've ever DNF, uh, yeah. you know? Shit happens. Yeah. And I beat Colin. I beat but Colin it, at that one, by the way. Oh, let's go, Elliot, you savage. Right? That's, that's like, uh, it's like Lionel Sanders, right? When he kind of bonked in the Ironman in the, in the World Championships, right? Yeah. And I think the cool part, what I love about Lionel is he's, he's, his willingness to put out just content in terms of talking about what's real, right? And the whole thing afterwards was he's like, I got to improve my training. You know, and I was overtrained and the whole thing and I need help and I got to get better people around me and, and stop trying to do it myself. And I think to answer your question, Elliot, is it's, it's in victory, Colin, when you win Ironman Florida or when you finish last or you don't finish, what'd you learn? What did you learn? And to me, that is the question. 
And I, I was working with a, a female UFC fighter who she contacted me after losing two fights in a row, literally the next day, still in Vegas. And we started working the last eight weeks and she fought on Saturday night, Ashley Yoder, and she won. And my favorite thing about the press conference afterwards is she's like, you know, I'm, I'm, she's like, I'm not really happy with my performance, but I'm eight fights into the UFC and I'm just excited to keep learning. And I was like the best response. And now being happy with your performance, like, dude, you're still fighting the best people on the planet. Like it's never going to go easy. It's never going to go the way you want it to, but what'd you learn? And if you stay in a learner's mentality, right? People say like, oh, you either win or you learn. And it's like, no, 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 you can win, you can lose, but you better learn, right? There's a third option there. It's like, I'm not positive, I'm not negative, I'm neutral. Like stay neutral, stay in control of yourself. And that can be a high level energy of control of yourself or it can be very stoic, kind of quiet, you know, and everyone finds what works for them. Um, but I think after the race is it's like, give yourself a grace period, right? You put so much into it. I always say, like, give yourself, you know, I usually say 24 hours in team sport settings, like football. Um, but an Ironman, maybe I would give them a little bit more and say, like, take a week because there's so much that goes into it, right? Now, I'd say, take a week, maybe not that long. Um, but if you want to beat yourself up, you want to celebrate the win, whatever it is. But at some point, you flip the page and say, okay, now what? Now what? And I think the quicker we can get to the learning and say, okay, now what? And now what doesn't have to be, I jump into another training camp. Now what might be, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take some of that time that I was putting into training and invest it into my family or I'm going to invest it into my reading or invest it into my work or whatever it is. But I think you have to be, have the growth mindset. You have to be a learner who keeps moving forward. And I think whether it's victory or defeat, whether it's an elite performance like Colin ripped off in Florida winning or, or the performance that I probably would have had in Ironman Arizona, which wouldn't have been so elite, which is just trying to learn from yourself and saying, what was it like? What I do? And I always say, here's how you do it, right? How do you learn? You ask yourself these three questions. What did I do well? What do I want to do better? How am I going to do it? And I think you ask yourself like once a week, I sit down on Sunday, part of my weekend shutdown routine is I sit down on Sunday and I write down what went well, what do I want to do better? How do I want to do it? And I don't do it from an Ironman training specific standpoint, although I could, I just look at it from like my whole life standpoint, right? But if I were Colin and I were a high level elite athlete in the Ironman, I would sit down at the end of the week, you know, and look back and say, okay, how did my training go this week? What did I do well? What do I want to do better moving forward? How am I going to do that? And I think that reflection process and some athletes I work with in ultra endurance, they will do it after every workout. Like Lionel Sanders does a ton of journaling, right? I don't work with Lionel, but I follow him and I'm a fan. And I know he does a ton of journaling after each workout and heart rate zones and different things like that. But I think it's, it's, it, you do the metrics obviously and what you ate and how much you weigh and what you drank and how fast you were going, what kind of power you were pushing out, all those things. But then also go mentally and say, okay, how was I mentally? Was I present? Was I, was I using pain as a motivator? Was I disassociating pain by getting outside of myself? Was I um, in the present moment? Or what? That's the cool part about running is you can get into the present and like locking in your footsteps and your breath and be here. But you can also, I call that association, locking into what I'm doing. Also disassociation where like you go off into the distance and you just run off three miles and you're like, I have no idea where I just was in terms of where I was at mentally. I just flew through that. And both can be beneficial. And I think you don't want it. It's not one or the other. It's both, right? Be able to use both of those tools, I think, to be able to, to have an elite performance. But Elliot, to, to answer the question, I would say learn well, better how, or even at start, stop, continue. 
start, stop, continue is okay. Based off of my race, what do I need to start doing to get better? What do I got to stop doing? What do I want to continue? And I think when you ask yourself those questions, which every morning I grab my journal and I will do a start, stop, continue based off of the day. So I'll literally just write down based off of the last 24 hours of my life and my, my childish behavior as an adult, what do I need to start doing? What do I need to stop doing? What do I need to continue doing? That's good. Well, first thing, one thing I want to mention here, thank you for the kind words here on my uh, performance there. But uh, one thing I think that differentiates me is um, whether I am being passed or I'm passing somebody even up at the front, I always, almost always say good job and like try and interact and, I love out on the course, I mean, especially at Florida, being so thankful for being out there, was thanking every police officer, every volunteer, yeah. and, you know, smiling, and uh, I, I can't attest enough of how beneficial, you know, if you want to think of it selfishly, you know, how much you get out of it by, by showing that appreciation. Yeah. Um, and, and you can lift other people that way too, right? right? I mean, you can lift other people that way. I mean, I've had people run by me shit you not i'm been doing i'm uh, iron man vancouver worst race i've ever done um it took me like nine hours to do a half i was crushed and crushed walked the whole run and this guy runs by and says hey man you doing all right and i'm like no bro i'm not and he stopped and he goes what well, can i help you with anything and i'm like oh shit man they have to stop i'm like no i'm just getting crushed he's like you need any salt or anything oh, damn i'll take some salt pills so i took a couple salt pills which, you know, you need to carry your own stuff, whatever. But anyway, so I start running. He's like, come on, man, let's go. I start jogging with him. I'm in Vancouver, Canada. The guy lives a mile from me in Arizona. <laughs> we train together. We developed a relationship. And I'm like, that's the cool part about Iron Man, you know? And, and if he doesn't say anything and I don't say anything back and he doesn't stop and I don't choose to run with him, I never, I don't have a friend. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't have a training partner. So it's, it's just, there's so many cool things that come from it, you know? All right. Well, the one question I wanted to I wanted to hit on here before we go, we're running out of time here a little bit, um, is we're obviously we're in the middle of a pandemic. You just had shit at the fan and really suck and get your race canceled, which totally blows. You know, I'm, I'm per, personally I'm starting to get kind of frustrated with how many people even are starting or you hear commercials saying 2020 sucks, you know, and like everybody is just shitting on this year. And yes, is it is it a ideal year? No, it certainly is not, but. Um, I don't know. I just just curious, like what your thoughts are from a mental perspective of what we should be doing. And to me, like what I've done this year, I mean, real quick, like I wasn't even planning to do Ironman Florida, you know, but like I shifted, I ran a couple of marathons self-supported, you know, at the beginning of the year, I just did different things and I absolutely loved doing everything and, and, you know, blessed for everything that happened this year. You know, I don't know what's your kind of feedback to people that are just like, this sucks, you know, let's screw training. What's the point of that? You know, there's no race. Everything's just so negative these yeah, days. Right. Oh. Everything you hear is negative. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm what? done. I don't even listen to the news anymore because it, I don't want to hear it. What's my feedback to him? Hey, man, attitude is a decision. Be careful of what you let into your mind. The pandemic is not happening for you, to you. The pandemic is happening for you. If a year ago I said, hey, you're going to get eight months at home to be able to spend time with your family, to be able to have more time, to work a routine, to, to, would you take it? That I'll go, hell yeah, I'll take it. Right. Well, you got it. Are you using it? And the biggest thing is so many people are playing defense right now, right? They're negative because of an election. They're negative because of, of social injustice. They're negative because of a pandemic. Well, guess what? You control your attitude and control what you can control. We don't control an election. We don't control what goes on around us. We don't control largely what happens to us. 
but we control how we respond to those things. And I share E plus R equals O. Event plus response equals outcome. As soon as Ironman Arizona gets canceled, fuck. 15 weeks of training. And I quickly went, hey, you know what, though? That's 15 weeks of training for life. I feel good. I'm in good shape. Things are good. Hey, if I want to do an Ironman on my own, shit, I can do one next Sunday. No problem. True. I felt, I felt worse for my friend who was coming out to do her first. Right. And, you know, and, and that's a challenge. And I'm disappointed with how Ironman has handled this whole thing. And hopefully they listen to this because when people pay you $700 and train seven, 17, 18 weeks to do a race, you need to refund them and give them the option to join you, not hold them captive and go, we're putting you to next year. Next year, I don't want to do it. I want my money back. And I had seven races get canceled this year, you know, halves and in full now. And it's like, Iron Man, I just think you're not playing this well with taking care of your people and your athletes. And I get there's a financial component to it, but you know what? Give people back and let them come back to you. That's my take on it. But I'm not, but if they don't, and they probably won't, I'm not going to let that have a negative impact on me because my attitude is a decision. So I, I, I intentionally will say, okay, there's a lot of things I can't do. What can I do? And I choose to focus on what I can do. And I choose to come back to what I can do a lot. You know, in the pandemic, man, there's been some great things that come out of it. I've started journaling. I brought back my podcast. Um, my wife and I get, got a house on a golf course. I started picking up the sport of golf, which I love, which is a completely different mental training. Um, you know, my, my brother, my brother committed suicide during the pandemic. It's not all been sunshine and roses, but you choose what you think about. You choose wow. what you focus on. You choose, you choose your energy. You choose your attitude, Right. And this is where resilience comes in. And as I look back at all the Ironman training and stuff I've been doing, man, you know what the Ironman training does? It's prepared us for this. It's prepared us for life. It's prepared us to say, look, it can get dark. It can get tough. It can get miserable. Keep moving forward towards your goal anyway. The challenge is you don't need a goal or a race on the calendar to get you to commit. That can help make your own race. Put your own race on the calendar. You'll love this. I created up in Payson, Arizona. I wish I had a t-shirt I could show you called the Pine Man, the Pine Man 70.3. It's a 0.3 mile swim, a 30 mile bike, a four mile run and 36 holes of golf. <laughs> I made my own race. I made a Pine Man logo, t-shirts, the whole thing. I got a group of people who go up there and do that. We made our own race. I started my own triathlon. It's called 70.3 Peaks. Elliot, you'll love this. I haven't lived in the valley. We go swim at Lifetime Fitness, come back, jump on a bike, ride from basically Phoenix Country Day School to the top of South Mountain and back 56 miles. Then you go for a run slash walk slash get some hike and you run up to Camelback Mountain, go over that. And then you run and you finish up on the top of Squaw Peak, three peaks, South Mountain, Camelback Mountain, Squaw Peak. Half Ironman distance took about 13 hours. It was amazing. I like started, it. Started with 10 people, three people finished. All 10 people said that was the hardest thing I've ever done. You know what that's called? Growth. So you don't need a race. You don't need a crowd. You just need yourself and you need to quit taking your own bullshit and you need to make a plan and execute your plan. That's all I'm handling the pandemic. It seems to be working for me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's awesome. Well, I want to give you a minute to give us a little bit about how people can get in touch and follow you. Uh, I know. Again, he's got the, the certification course that people could check out. I'm looking forward to instituting some of that stuff with my clients and obviously with myself, but uh, he put some great stuff on Instagram with free little tidbits and nuggets and things, but uh, go ahead, Brad, give us the, give us the deal. Yeah, absolutely. So if, so if you're, you know, triathlon trainers, right? If you're someone who trains other people in triathlon, uh, if you go to briancane.com, 
my mental performance mastery coaches certification, Colin, what you're going through is, is a certification for coaches who want to train mental performance in their clients. I also have a 30 day athletes program. Elliot, I want to get this to you. I think you'll dig it, man. I want to get your feedback on it is, is it's 30 days, a 15, 10 to 15 minute video. And then a workbook that you go through each day that trains you in mental performance. So if you don't have a mental performance coach that you're working with, you go through this program and it trains you in the strategies that you use, the drills you do to develop those skills to create the skill set. I also have a podcast. If you go to briankane.com, you can scroll to the bottom of the page and find it there. I'm at Brian Kane Peak, B-R-I-A-N-C-A-I-N-P-E-A-K on Instagram and on Twitter. Um, but best place is briankane.com, coaches certification, athletes program. They're not triathlon specific but they're, they're applying the strategies I would use to work with you if I were working with you. And I offer one-on-one -on -one coaching. Right? Totally. <laughs> like, yeah, absolutely. Cause triathlon is like life, man. I mean, you're going to go through hard times and have some tools and something to go to when it gets dark out there. So you can keep pushing forward. And, um, you know, I, I, I do one-on-one -on -one coaching. I do group coaching. I do, I do speaking. I, I, I've spoken to some triathlon, you know, team groups around the country that are doing zoom calls and they're, they're bringing in a mental performance coach to talk about, you know, some triathlon specific tips and things that they can take and use. And, uh, anyone listening to this, I'd be honored to, to be a part of your team and help you to, to achieve the goals that you're looking for. Right on. Very cool. Well, I know Brian's got to get paid here and do uh, <laughs> a meeting with somebody else here in a few. So, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know what Ellie got, but I thought that was fantastic. And, yeah, uh, awesome. and, uh, that was great. So, so appreciative of you coming on here. I appreciate you guys having me. And if you get out to the desert, couple key things, Elliot, I'm sure you've done this, haven't spent some time out here, but Tucson, Arizona, right? It's a yep. hotbed for triathletes. Have you yep. guys ever rode your bike up Mount Lemon? Many you times. Have? Elliot, how great, <laughs> I, I how great is that, it. right? It was awesome. My, yeah. Awesome. One of my favorite rides. My buddy's like, dude, we're going to Narnia. I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, when you get up into Mount Lemon, it's like being at Narnia. <laughs> I'm not sure I know what Narnia is, but it sounds awesome. So let's go. And you get it. You got to get that big giant cookie at the top too. Ah, the cookie cabin, bro. You know about the cookie cabin. <laughs> yep. it's, the, it's the best, man. We went to the, yeah, we rode the bike to the cookie cabin and then you come down and then, and then, uh, yeah, magical. So Colin, when you want to get out of the snow, man, let me know. We'll, we'll get you out here. Yeah. We'll get it going and I'll make awesome. name. we'll get you on the 70.3 peaks. You won't be, you won't be, doing right. that. Right. You'll be doing that in nine hours. Well, you might. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's awesome. Well, Brian, thanks again, man. Uh, we'll make sure you get to your call here, but uh, um, hopefully everybody got some good things out of that, and um, we'll uh, we'll talk to you soon here. Awesome. Thanks, for guys, for having me, man. Hopefully there was some value there, and looking forward to engaging with people as they want to grow in the mental game. So thanks for having me. Don't count the days, though, until this pandemic is done. Make the days count. See you. Right